History happened everywhere. This is our after show podcast where we look back at our most recent episode, that's humour in Mauritania between 500 and 600 CE. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. Otherwise, you may encounter spoilers ahead. Pork and mashed potato, yes. Beef and mashed potato, no. Hello, you're listening to History Happened Everywhere. I'm your host, Peter Goddard. I'm here, as ever, with Ryan Weir. Hello. And our judge, jury, executioner, the wise, Mr. Paul Dursley. Well, well, well. For those of you who haven't listened to the episode, that is an incredible callback to one of Ryan's <laughs> top class <laughs> bits of humour from the episode. It was the only funny one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk more about this because I'm going to advocate for Barbara Dreisand. Oh, no. Um, how are you, Ryan? Good, actually, Peter. Today, I went to a fast food restaurant that rhymes with Nook Vonalds, and they have those big iPad-style touchscreen things. Yes. Paul, I'm sure, knows exactly what we're He's talking always, about. He's always, always hanging around at McDonald's <laughs> with the youth. <laughs> yeah. Now, I noticed on there, when you're placing your order, there is a customised button. So you can now say, like, I want extra ketchup, or I want more onions, or whatever, and you can say how much you want. Right. But what I was thinking is, what would be the ingredients inside of the Nook Dursley? Oh, that's a good question. Why don't we start with the bun? What kind of bun, Mr. Dursley, would you have in the uh, the McDursley? Uh, well, uh, yes, let's have a brioche. A brioche. What kind of meat, patty? Foie gras. Foie gras patty. Oh, my Lord. They call this the gout burger. <laughs> and cheese on top, like a layer of cheese. What kind of cheese we we, we putting on there? Um, no, a, a bit of salt and a little bit of sort of jelly made out of Chardonnay. Wow. A jelly Chardonnay foie gras in a, in a brioche. brioche bun. Any additional sauces? Deep fried? What fries with that? <laughs> does it come with a toy? It comes with a nice watch. <laughs> yeah, of course it does. <laughs> it comes with a Swiss watch. <laughs> Can you imagine? The McDursley. Eat like a 16th century noble. <laughs> yes, I think mine is about £20,000. Yes, exactly. It's like, great. You, you can afford one, uh, which is lucky because your heart can only stand one as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter then, does it? <laughs> you can use the watch to check your pulse. Exactly. Yeah, one finger on <laughs> But enough, enough of this nonsense. I think we need to get back to the matter at hand. Um, and as ever, I'm sure we've all just recently refreshed our memories about the episode. But for the people out there, perhaps they haven't. So, Ryan, would you care to deliver one minute summary? Off you go. Mauritania is a country on the northwest coast of Africa. The landscape is comprised mostly of inhospitable desert, being that the western edge of the Sahara ends there. Notable for its poor human rights record, Mauritania is not the subject of very much humour. As such, I asked award-winning comedian Paul Carranza to help us navigate difficult subject matter and also to approve my credentials as a comedian specialising in Mauritanian jokes. In terms of history, I began by talking about ancient Mauritania, a Roman province that was almost 1,000 miles away from its modern-day namesake. I spoke about how during the 6th century CE, the Mauritanians fought Byzantine Romans to keep the city as a Berber kingdom, but eventually lost the war and the country. I then talked about modern Mauritania and how, during our time period, it was home to a small number of nomadic tribes who were overrun by migrating Berber tribes who displaced or killed them, losing much in the way of what life was actually like there then. I relied instead on the eyewitness testimony of two Greek scholars who recalled one native tribe dressing in fish skin and living in holes dug in the ground, and other tribes who armed themselves with javelins, wore bare 
bare fur and wouldn't touch each other for fear of messing up their hair. The episode ended with agreement that Mauritania was a difficult country to find humour in, but that Ryan's jokes were excellent, even if his traditional tea-making skills needed a bit of work. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. All right, excellent summary, Ryan, with the slight caveat that I'm not exactly sure we concluded that your humour was top draw, but yeah. uh, we'll let Mr. Dursley be the judge, as is his role. E- even forgetting the subject, uh, it was a very difficult country. I'll, 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 I'll have to give you that. But, Ryan, you didn't, you didn't even do the basics. You know, what's its national anthem? <gasps> you never did that. Ooh. We didn't do the national anthem. You're was that, absolutely was right. that a choice or a omission by error, Mister Weir? Yes. What is your defence? <laughs> it's, it's not. A, it's not as if it's not as if you're a P episode where it's three hours long and you still want to add stuff. To yeah, it. I was trying to reduce the hours deliberately to try and get a few, <laughs> earn a few extra credential points. But um, yeah, no, I, I did leave it out, and I, I apologise to everyone for that because I'm sure everyone is gagging to hear what the the national anthem sounds like. So. I'm going to play it right now. Is that okay? Yes, yes, okay. Let's listen. So there you go. That's the national anthem. It's a bit repetitive, isn't it? And it starts off like Dad's Army. <laughs> <laughs> I'd call yeah. that a strong start myself, but uh, it didn't really then <laughs> break out into no. It's it, it sort of it just repetitive. Well, you'll never hear that at the Olympics, will you? Hello, this is the voice of the internet. Mr. Dursley is correct. While Mauritania has participated in ten Summer Olympics, they have never won a gold medal or had their national anthem played. Most recently, Mauritania competed in the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo where Aberdeen Aberdeen came 19th in the men's 5,000m race, and Hulai Bar placed 9th in the women's 100m sprint. Thank you. So the national anthem, yeah, apologies to everyone for not for not playing that one. Um, it, it slipped out of the edit, and um, I will make sure that doesn't happen in the future. I know that everyone loves to hear the national anthem, even though they all sound a little samey. There is a sort of, almost a formula, isn't it? It's not like someone's come in with a, an R&B classic as their national anthem. It's all a bit martial, marchy, big band, isn't it? And when they do, they really stand out. Paul, you did not receive the Mauritanian traditional hospitality that is afforded guests. Oh, I thought you were still doing it, and I, that's why I'm waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, no, he's still making the tea, if that's any consolation. <laughs> did you actually try the tea in the end? 
never came. It never came. We didn't finish it. <laughs> so was this a was this actually a real tea or was it just ghost? Tea? No, it was all real. It was all there. He taunted me with tea. Yeah. Get got three quarters of the way down the process and then we ran out of recording, so off we went. And I went home parched like the Sahara. Yeah, I just don't understand. You warmed the pot. Yeah. It takes a minute to warm a pot. Not tr- not in the Mauritanian traditional way. It won't get any hotter after a minute. It's not just about the physics of it. It's also about the showmanship, the deliberation. Well, there's a, there's a, there's waiting and there's just teasing. Yep. <laughs> well, he was all tease and no delivery. I can assure you of that. Yeah. But uh, you always hear about the sort of hospitality of the desert-dwelling people, don't you? Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, my first reaction was that seems like a weird way to do hospitality, which is like, here's a cup of tea and it's going to take so yeah. long that you're going to be dying of thirst before you get to have a drink of it. But then I guess the flip side of that is your hospitality is the time that you're investing in preparing this beverage. Well, I guess it's not a rushed society. Yeah, you just got to hide from the, the scouring winds of the whole matin. Yeah. Might as well spend an hour making a cup of tea. But the tea would be cold after an hour. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it is, but that's why they reheat it. Right, so I, I'll tell you a little bit about it, because uh, we didn't really go into the ritual, but the tea is supposed to be really, really sweet. Muslims don't drink alcohol, and some believe that the excess sugar creates like a, a high, and it's sometimes called desert whiskey. I would be disappointed if I ordered a whiskey, and they said, is desert whiskey all right? And I came back with a cup of tea. Cup of tea. <laughs> that was not what I was <laughs> shooting for at all. <laughs> Uh, proper etiquette says you should slurp your tea loudly and every drop should be enjoyed. Well, tell that to my mother. <laughs> no, I refuse to slurp my tea. <laughs> right, there, there is a saying that goes with drinking tea in Mauritania. It evo- the, 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 the taste apparently evolves, right, drinking the tea. So your first taste is not the same as your last taste. So the first taste is soft, like life. They say life is soft from the sounds of the place. I would have said hard like life, but okay. I'll come to that. Hold that thought. <laughs> So the first taste is soft, like life. The second is sweet, like love. The third is bitter, like death. Or alternatively, it's bitter like life, strong like love, and gentle like death. Wow, there are two different outlooks of play <laughs> so there, isn't depending there? <laughs> on which, which group you go with, you can be one of those two. I suppose that depends on whether your tea glass is half full or half empty. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> My cup is half full. So, Paul, how did you enjoy the humour of the episode? (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed Mr... Is it Credenza's? (laughs) That's that's like a little cabinet. Carenza, not Credenza. Carenza, okay. Uh, Well, I, I enjoyed his input. Without him, it would have been quite a thin episode. That's why he was there. Yeah, I think that was a top idea to draft in someone to talk about the subject yeah. when the actual history was so thin on the ground. Because we had some interesting conversations, didn't we? We did. How you what what are the universals and what are the specifics of humour? I was very lucky to have Paul Carranza be available uh, to join us. Uh, he, he was the perfect person for that episode and to to come on board and, and sit with us for the episode for the length of the episode rather than just being interviewed. Actually, join in with the fun. It's um it's quite the ask to have a comedian coming 
in and you know, can you say funny things about a place that's riddled <laughs> with, <laughs> with horrors? <issues? laughs> but yeah. isn't that the sign of a good comedian is they can come up with jokes about almost anything? Yes, and exactly right. I, I suppose you know, they have such a big supply of jokes, you know, Mauritania, empty, blah, blah, blah. You just, you just sort of think, oh, yeah, I can just swap. I, I, you could I, use his Western Sahara so, material and just patch in Mauritania. Exactly. Or <laughs> Senegal at a pinch. No, I, I, you know, again, a huge thanks to Paul Carenza for joining us. It was it was great to have him there. And um, I mean, I was particularly interested in how it related universally. So humour as a concept is something that were we to airlift you, Paul, into Mauritania in 500 CE, how would you have coped talking with those tribes? Would you have been able to relate in a humorous way? No, not verbally, because we won't, wouldn't have a common language. So you'd have to go into some sort of... Pa- pantomime or like um, um, slapstick kind of stuff. Visual Mr. Bean. Well, there's a reason Mr. Bean is on every aeroplane yeah. <laughs> journey um, across the globe. <laughs> it's that instantly recognisable, no need for language humour, isn't it? Well, yeah, you've got to have that, haven't you? That, so what would um, you do? Like, if we were to drop you there, like, how would you you try and form a bond with these people that you can't communicate with verbally? First of all, why would I want to perform a bond with them? Because they've got food and drink and you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert. (laughs) Well, but if I've just been flown in, I can be flown out again. No, that's that parachute drop, I'm afraid. Parachute drop, yeah. Okay, well, I wouldn't have gone. (laughs) You were dropped. (laughs) We dropped you. (laughs) <laughs> we pushed you out of the plane have you not noticed that van has been parked outside of your flat for the last couple of days it has actually for the last week and i'm really annoyed about it <laughs> so, well don't worry it'll be gone soon that's all i'm saying <laughs> but you might want to brush up your slapstick skills so you're you've been captured you've been dragged in front of the tribal chief he's wrapped all up in fish skin because <laughs> it's raining because it's raining yeah already. And that's uh, funny already. And now, yeah. And so you laugh, you're smiling, I'm guessing, because you're not going to want to be aggressive. You're not going to want to, you know, put them on edge. So what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to make them laugh? Well, I suppose it's the vulgarity, isn't it? Fart jokes and farting and that sort of thing, I think, is probably universally funny. I'd I'd hedge away from farting in the situation where I risk, I mean, trying to impress people on the grounds that it might be a cultural taboo. It's the thought of Paul Dursley turning up at a tribe and the first thing he does is fart <laughs> in front of the tribal chief to let rip. <laughs> Hello, I'm Paul Dursley and I have the following to say. <laughs> well, I, I, I might be afraid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm laughing, but I don't know if the tribal chief would. Pete, what would you do? Um, I think the easiest people to make laugh are children. Right. Yeah. Um, you just got to make a funny face and poke your tongue out. And if you make a child laugh, that will endear you to people. Would you try and do like some sort of slapsticky kind of stuff? Charlie Chaplin, you know, he had that thing where he had two forks put in bread buns and he did like the leg dancing leg things. Oh, is that funny though? It's observational. I wouldn't necessarily think it's funny. So what kind of a comedian would you be then, Paul? Are you... uh, better than Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, that's both fighting talk and also hard to dispute on the evidence given last week. Hey, on this scenario, my jokes would not work. They're not going to know who Barbara Dreisand is. Yeah, they'd have to... Uh, have, you, have you got Wikipedia as well? <laughs> Just no. brief them at the beginning. No, there's there's going to be some references coming up. Yeah, I didn't even know... I got the Barbara Dreisand mm-hmm. bit, but I didn't know who who the other person you were talking about was. It did... It, even fell on stony ground for me. <laughs> yeah. Even for you. Even. And your you know, your finger is on the pulse. Pop culture Paul, we call him. 
<laughs> uh, Nicki Minaj. She is a pop starlet. Minaj. Minaj, yeah. rather vulgar. It does. You're yeah. absolutely right. Wildly off base. <laughs> no, and it's not wildly off base. She is known to be quite risque. Earthy. Earthy. Okay. Yeah, so, so she's a singer. And But the... Dried milk wasn't your joke, was it? That was one of theirs. I definitely didn't come up with a dry milk joke. Did you find that one funny? Like, could you see how that's funny? When it when the premise of the joke was explained, yes. Okay. But, yeah, you dried milk, so what? It's dried milk. Yeah, but it's the cheapest thing, you see. I thought Paul did a good job of trying to translating that and how that might be a you know, Lee Mack goes into a shop kind of joke. That was quite an interesting sort of transposition right he goes into a jeweler's or something and he's like i want to see all your expensive rings and then just buys the cheapest thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like could we send paul carenza back do you think he would be a success do you think he would ingratiate himself with the skills that he's learned yes i certainly think he would Mm. he's very friendly and that's another question about comedians we didn't really touch on which is to what extent does one need to be likable to be a good comedian Mm. But aren't all good comedians really miserable buggers in real life? I've heard that's a myth, but uh, it's definitely an enduring myth for sure. Mm. But there is a sense that it's most comedians are people to whom you in some way relate or empathise with. It's quite rare to have a comedian who is alienating. They do exist, Emo Phillips and uh, the like, who are kind of the strange type of comedian that you don't necessarily feel a bond with. But most comedians, the sort of first job is to be likeable as well as funny it's quite and it's much more difficult to be funny in a way that is not warm that the sort of more intellectual comedy gets harder and harder because it's just much easier to laugh with someone when you like them a bit yeah you see yourself in them or like you're able to relate to them in some way well yes it is it is is a a related type joke isn't it because that's that's the whole premise of sexist jokes isn't it because generally sexist jokes are really only told amongst groups of men I'm sure there are lady sexist jokes as well, but I've never heard them. It's like, you know, it's like it's like they're probably really nasty as well, because, you know, I've heard that women's lavatories are always dirtier than the gents. <laughs> Where have you heard that? Who's <laughs> <laughs> telling you that? No, that's, uh, that's what I'd heard. Okay. You should do it like a test. Just start checking women's toilets to see... How clean cleanly they are. Yeah, you're a scientist. You should. Yeah. Uh, you've got a premise now. You've got a hypothesis. It's time to get some data in. <laughs> uh, yes, but I might be dead. <laughs> next next episode. Uh, Paul Dursley will not be joining us today. He will be out on bail for next episode. However, <laughs> <laughs> malingering in <laughs> ladies' ladies' toilets. <laughs> I want to talk about the hot topic, which I think we're skating around here, which is that one, I didn't really talk very much about history during 500 to 600 CE. And also Mm -hmm. I talked a lot about an entirely different region <laughs> that just so happened to have the same name, if the spelling was oh, slightly different. Oh, sort of the Berber coast, yes. What's your response to that? What, what was that like listening to the episode when you were like, well, wait a minute, this isn't Mauritania? My response is, I think that was a very good thing to do because, you know, 15 or 1600 years ago, what was called Mauritania was much larger and bigger. And yes, it was, you know, a thousand miles away from where Mauritania is at the moment. 
Yeah, well, thank you very much. I must admit, when I had the idea, because I was very much struggling with this episode <laughs> in terms of content, until I thought, well, wait, there is another Mauritania. Spelt slightly differently, so I thought you might catch me up on that. Spelt with an E rather than an I. I, I really had very little else to go on other than, well, it's the origin of the name. So it was worth telling, and it happened at the same time. Yes. For me, it speaks to the prime directive of the show, which is tell us an interesting story. And if you have just simply said, and then this fragment of elephant skin shield. Well, I'd have, I'd have preferred that to get in a time machine and make it up. You're wrong. I agree. <laughs> no, I don't agree. I think the time machine was great. Um, while we were talking about Mauritania, though, we were talking about the Romans and the Carthaginians. And Pete, you were surprised by moving from a naval battle to using elephants to It was a attack. big switch from <laughs> strategy A to strategy B. Have we thought about elephants? Yeah. Yes, I was surprised. What about you, Paul? Like, in, in terms of military strategy, do you admire it? It was rather odd, wasn't it? But, you know, there, there were three Punic Wars and Carthage lost all of them. Yeah, it's not a great so win ratio, is it? They were... It's almost as bad as Turkey in the 20th century. They always pick the wrong side. Bulgaria, in fact. <laughs> yeah, I wonder uh, the Carthaginians are like, each time there's a guy, the, the strategy guy's like, I've got an idea, I'm going to do naval battles, off you go, and they come back and they're like... Didn't work out. Have we got anything else? Oh, well, elephants. I've got elephants. They come back. <laughs> Uh, Wasn't it Hannibal and his brother Hasdrubal who were sort of the, the sort of the two sort of prime movers behind it? Yeah, I don't know because I didn't go into into too much detail because obviously it wasn't you know wasn't specifically the area that we were talking about. All the you knew how the they got the elephants there. You answered that with a plum, I thought. Yeah, it was guesswork. Oh, I'll right. be honest, people don't really know. It seems right because I because of the Alps thing, it hadn't even occurred to me that the elephants. I don't know why but the, the elephants had to have come from somewhere that was not north of the Alps. Mm. So I'd always thought the. In my head, I don't know what I thought they were. I think I've just mixed them up with Alexander or something and thought they were Macedonian elephants or something. <laughs> but I mean, they definitely went from round through Spain. So, yes, to cross the water, unless they made them swim, I'm getting through the Mediterranean. <laughs> well, elephants swim very well. Yeah, they do. They're very buoyant. Yeah. Well, they've it's... got a built in snorkel, which is, has been an advantage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about the poetry. So we mentioned how one quarter of the population were before, poets. Before you go any further, Ryan, just, can we just have a sidebar? Uh, one moment, Your Honour. You sure you want to go down the poetry route with uh, the judge? You remember what happened last week? I do, yeah. And you, you, Trust me. You're confident. I've got, I've got this sorted. I'm just saying as your lawyer, I advise you against this course of action. <laughs> I could tell you, when I heard that a quarter of the population... And like Paul, I did the calculation before you did yeah. that a quarter of the population were poets. My heart sank. <laughs> I thought, we're going to get some poetry. And did you? <laughs> no, we didn't. Which no, was you didn't. Very good. So you're going to get it now. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, okay. Uh, again, uh, this is going against your legal no, counsel no, no, advice. No, 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 no. All right, look. Again, that's just going to be an E if you do it. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not poetry, but it's proverbs. Um, it seems that uh, there are many proverbs that come from Mauritania, and I thought I'd just run some past you. Uh, how is that? It's kind of like poetry. Uh, well, I'll decide afterwards. Okay, here we go. He who has no spoon will burn his hands. What's your thoughts on that one? Need to get a spoon. 
<laughs> a stone from the hand of a friend is an apple. No, it's not. It's a stone. You can't eat it. Yeah, but what do you think it means? It's a proverb, right? A metaphor for something. So if someone's... A stone from the hand of a friend is an apple. Don't really understand that. It's Then the friend is conning you then. Okay, uh, what about open your mouth before you eat? Well, open your mouth before you eat. It's good advice. If you don't, you smear it all over your face. <laughs> that's the ending of that proverb. Because if you don't, you'll smear it all over your face. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> well, that's like the thing. That's like the, the thing that your mother used to say when you were a kid. You know, keep your mouth closed when you eat. And of course, all the bright kids just used to smear food on their face. <laughs> and then they couldn't really argue because that's what you said to do. <laughs> Here's one for you, Paul. All right. You're not explaining any of these. I don't know. The, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> so we have to we have to work it out. Yeah, it's poetry. Right. You've got to wrap this up. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Paul, two eyes see better than one. Well, yes, because you have stereoscopic vision. Then <laughs> yes, that's how, again the second half of the proverb that usually just drops off. <laughs> yeah. All right, Pete. He whose clothes are too fine shall go about in rags. Ah, no. I think I, I like this one. It means if you're too too fancy. Mm. And you don't wear robust, more everyday wear. As soon as you step out into the howling harmattan, your <laughs> your silk finery will be ripped to shreds. Yeah, it does make sense because you, you're right. You have to sort of put your head into a Mauritania perspective. Exactly, and I'm these. there. I'm half Mauritanian mentally. Okay, I, I'm not so sure. I like this one. Too large a morsel chokes the child. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's don't pamper, isn't it? Because they'll turn into a pain in the arse oh interesting all right and finally a donkey which goes to grow horns returns with its ears cut off what do you think that one means there's a lot to unpack there yeah uh, i really have no idea a donkey <laughs> that grows horns so is it still a donkey and who's cut the ears off this feels like a know your place type proverb that's how i interpreted it yeah don't like. Don't try and aspire above your for station. more. Yeah, you're not a deer. Who you're a you donkey. You are? Yeah, don't like it. A donkey with horns. Ridiculous! I'm chopping your ears off. We talked about how uh, poor. Mauritania is. Yes, we did. It's pretty run down. Um, GDP, 40% of Mauritania's GDP at the moment is currently from iron ore. That's not one of the classic exports, is it? It's petrol and gas and those kinds of things. You'd think it'd be something like that. But so much, ore, 40%. Well, iron ore is, re even now, iron ore is really a really useful quantity for steel, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, they have one of the world's largest trains that runs between the... Largest train? Well, yeah, the longest train. Um, oh, well, that's different, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's home to one of the longest trains in the world uh, called the Iron Ore Train. You might be surprised to learn. Or the Train du Dessert. Train du Dessert. <laughs> yeah. It's made of meringue. <laughs> <laughs> it's got 200 cars, uh, 2.3 kilometres long. Wow. Travels 437 miles, and it carries the iron ore from the mines, where it's obviously dug out. Uh, but people ride it too. You can buy a ticket and then just sit on top of the iron ore 
in one of the cars. Just sit on the iron ore. Sit on the iron ore. On the iron throne. Oh, so there's, there's not like a little first-class carriage tacked on at the end for the tourists. <laughs> no. That would be amazing. You, no, they, re- they recommend you take your own mattress to sit on. I bet they do. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the mattress envy you'd had if you didn't get that memo? Sitting on your spiky ore for 400 miles. I yeah. want to be there for the announcement when it pulls into the station and says... You won't be able to get off if you're in compartments one, two, three, <laughs> four. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, sort of by the time you've found your correct compartment, the train will have got yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty much the only way to get around uh, is is by either a donkey cart or train or taxis. Yeah. That's almost post-apocalyptic future type material isn't it it is and you see there, there's if you have a look on youtube there's there's footage from tourists that go just to ride the the train of death or whatever it is they call it i mean it looks very hot and uncomfortable yeah i mean yeah i ride. don't this is not appealing to me it's not uh, the orient express it is not is it no no yeah. it's not i mean presumably there's not the parasol either so you're just in the sun on top of iron ore yeah and it runs to its own schedule right so it's not like you get there at a, at a time and it arrives it arrives when it arrives and the buffet car there is no buffet <laughs> car you gotta take your own uh, I, I sort of there's no no point in no flushing in the stations because there's no flush or stations <laughs> or station or lavatory even it's just just go on the ore like everyone else yeah so there you go wow remarkable but money is starting to flow in, it seems. They're, they've recently discovered, first of all, natural gas, which has been discovered offshore, and a lot of it, equivalent to around 8.9 billion barrels of oil, 50 trillion cubic feet of gas. How big is that, Paul? Because I can't even understand how big that is. Like if I were to look at it, if it were solid, how big would that be? Well, just take the cube root of 50 trillion. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Just tell me how big it is. Is it as big as the Statue of Liberty? Well, is it big as... It's, it's quite easy to work out. What What's a trillion? I assume it's an American trillion. Okay. So that's a million, million, 10 to the 12. Well, it's quite easy to take the cube root of 10 to the 12, it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's 10 to the 4. Correct. Yes! What? <laughs> Where did that come from? How did you know um, that? Just came to me in a dream. <laughs> and the cube root of 50. So it's a three and a bit times 10,000. So it's 30,000. It'd be a cube 30,000 feet. So that's up to where airplanes fly at their top. So that's, yeah, 33,000 feet on a side, which is about six miles. So it's a cube six miles by six miles by six miles. Bigger than the Statue of Liberty. That's huge, isn't it? So does that mean they'll just be like one big massive six by six mile cube cave under no, the sea? No, because it, it's, it's, it's all... <laughs> It's it's all in little nooks and crannies and crevices oh. and small holes and when you add it up that's you know that that number is you know it's like the classic uh, you know you get all the gold in the world you can put it in a cube under the arch of the Eiffel Tower but all the gold in the world is spread out all over the world so it's the same sort of thing okay. so the, the i have to say this worries me actually for mauritania that the, the track record of countries that we've seen that have discovered great natural mineral resources mm-hmm. is not good especially where the government is not hugely democratic and you were saying there's like human rights challenges and uh, corruption it doesn't yeah. sound like the kind of place that is going to then liberally spread the wealth from this discovery around the country and it becomes a new utopia but what's the alternative what they didn't discover it i think well, it's that- probably better because think about it the world is supposedly started to turn away from oil and gas so it's all solar now the and they've got loads dis- of sunshine well exactly yes 
Yeah, and wind power. It's called what was it? Windy, 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 wind place. <laughs> place of winds so surely get a few windmills out there you're laughing Can well, become yes. a power exporter i mean they'd have to be pretty robust to withstand the sand blasting yeah that's a real problem actually isn't it but they could put them off the coast though couldn't they solved anyway people of mauritania if you want to commission us to come over and sort out your economy so you don't rely on this gas reserve let us know we'll be over get the kettle on now <laughs> <laughs> I think we're a bit late for that. I thought that was interesting that they have a very different approach to the, uh, what should we say, health spa, uh, where, you know, in this country, you may find historically, particularly women would go to a place in order to lose weight. Yeah. Uh, they have these places where fat farms, I think you called them, mm-hmm. where they go deliberately to gain weight. Now, I wasn't clear on how voluntary that was from their part. There are young girls that are overfed they're given like a sort of a oatmeal-y kind of food like eight nine times a day it's a huge amount of calories that they consume and uh, yeah why from the prospect of getting married you're considered to be more healthy more wealthy if you're plumper and this has been the evolution of beauty standards through the ages hasn't it really it's what whatever makes you look rich Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's rich, it's rich, isn't it? So once yeah. upon a time, pale skin meant you didn't have to work in the fields. Therefore, oh, isn't pale skin beautiful? Right. Then when flights and holidays became quite an exotic luxury, having a tan out of season became beautiful because it's actually all, they're all signifiers for wealth fundamentally, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. So it's just yeah. It's like being that. fat was signifying you could afford all the nice stuff, or apparently Although, nine bowls of mush a day, which yeah, is that less appealing. Sound quite nice, does it? Yeah. Yeah. Mauritania does have some natural beauty spots. We talked about the Richat structure, the uh, big eye that can be seen from space. Yes, I had a little look at that when we finished the podcast. It's a remarkable looking thing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's like a brilliant blue kind of colour. And it really does look like an eye from space. It's very peculiar. Apparently the, um, the guys on the space station use it as a point of reference. Although you'd think just looking at the shape of a country might be a better reference, but um, that's what there aren't bloody lines drawn on this map, are there? How can you work out the shape of a country from space? The country of Mauritania, there aren't big black lines drawn over the over the desert. Well, that's a shame. There should be. It is one of those countries that has extremely straight borders, isn't it? Which is usually a sign of white man in the past with a map going, that's a country. Well, yeah, it's got straight borders, but it does have some weird sort of kinky bits, doesn't it? And they sort of turn around and... It does. Near the top. Yeah, well, there's that. Uh, there's this whole issue uh, with the contested land in Western Sahara. Yes, because isn't there a railway line that sort of tweaks the corner of Western Sahara? Guess, so... guess which line it is. We <laughs> talking about it oh, earlier oh it's that line okay, okay they were told to to shift it so they had to route around that line wow so uh before we move on to the all-important judging phase i think we have to give you an opportunity to ask the questions of the defendant mm. uh yeah uh, how long did it take you to work out your puns <laughs> <laughs> did you just make them up on the spot so, yeah because paul said i can imagine you sitting down there with uh, lots of combinations of the words dry and sand and sand and dry and um he's not far off uh, but i'm i must admit there was an element of googling as well i see that's sort of helped me cheating. you've got to use all the tools at your disposal well, it, did, it didn't help you did it 
Well, I thought they were funny. You even thought the well, the well, 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 was well, funny. well one was funny, <laughs> and he liked he liked the well, well, well one as well. Professional approval. Oh, yeah, it was the only one I laughed at. Put it like that. <laughs> oh well, that's one. That's yeah. a victory. Take it where you can, right? I will. I'm going to take that so, to the bank. Yes, and the other thing you're about, well, you may not be able to go to the bank because you're about to get your score. Uh-oh. So I don't know how much you're going to have to cash in at the end of this. Okay, here um, we go. Let's going to start with some general topics and areas, though, to get uh, get the feel of where you're at, Mr. Dursley. Okay. How did you feel about the length of the podcast? Oh, I think the length was B+. Plus. B+. Plus. Okay. That's good. That's pretty good. Um, now, uh, the all-important facts and information content. How did you feel about that, Mr. Dursley? That is that is the difficult one, of course. There was a lot of content. We spoke about a lot of things, Your Honour. Covering a lot of areas, most of which were not the time, topic, or hey, country. Hey, <laughs> side are you on? I'm opposing you. I was your oh. legal counsel, but now I... I've just gone back to my desk <laughs> on the prosecution. <laughs> Should have made you that uh, tea. C minus. I'm okay with that, actually. Oh, you're happy with a C minus. I am. I'm very happy with a C minus because I I honestly thought you were going to rip me apart over the fact that it wasn't Mauritania that I gave a good proportion of my time to talking about. I think, Paul, this is this also speaks slightly to the difference between the intellectual Dursley for whom the concept of a C minus is an unmitigated disaster and normal human beings (laughs) who are quite happy with a reasonably okay score. Uh, but yeah. still moving on so facts and you did well on facts and facts and information content now this one is critical of course humor Paul were you side split throughout did you have to wear your corset in order to hold yourself together well I, I think I think we have to do this in two parts don't we so uh, your guest I think I'll give an A minus okay All right. that's very good and Ryan I'll give a D plus <laughs> D plus <laughs> generous scoring from the panel. Did you choose humor because I got you on poetry last time? Yep. Okay. Uh, well, no, I got it because I had to sit through your Mauritania jokes. Yeah. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> and I thought they had to be considered. Okay. So Dursley Factor, you know, is it a place that appeals to you, horrifies you, you're not interested? Something just personal about how you felt about the topic and region. I'm sorry, Mauritania. I'm going to have to give you a D. Oh, poor Mauritania. This is not looking great. It's not looking great, is it? That B minus is keeping me up. (laughs) (laughs) Between that and Carenza, keeping you going with a little bit of hope. Oh, man. I'm going to take my school record home and I'm going to get get told off for not paying attention. (laughs) But obviously I'll remove the A minus from the calculations. Why? Because that goes to Paul. No, because I brought Paul. You can't just ride off other people's skill sets. Oh, this suck. No, I'm not having it. No. No, I'm not no, I'm not doing it, Your Honor. I'm afraid the judge's decision is final. I don't care. I'm if afraid it is. you're in contempt of court. You're in contempt of court. <laughs> no, you are in contempt of court. Um could you take him down, please? <laughs> Right, I, I, I wish I had a truncheon with me. I would have clocked him over the head right then. Uh, right, so the disruption in the courtroom has died down. It's time to move on to the final decision. May we prepare for the final decision? He's the judge, he's the judge, judging all of the things we does. He's the judge, 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 judge. His name's Paul Dursley. All rise for the judge. Paul Dursley, the judge, please deliver your final verdict on the one Ryan Weir's attempts to talk about humour in Mauritania, 500 to 600 CE. C minus. <laughs> he's, he's, 
<laughs> he seems to have initiated a silent protest. Uh, you think? You've got to speak on my behalf. You're now my representative. Okay, as Ryan's representative, I would like to say he's he's not happy. Is he going to appeal? You can't. There is no final appeal. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm getting I'm getting waves I'm of. Giving you anything? You've, you're, you're my representative. <laughs> represent me. What do you think I should be happy or not? I think you should be delighted with that. <laughs> I think you had a, a lovely, a, a very challenging time, topic, and period. Uh, you managed to pull a guest out of nowhere who was A minus material. I didn't say anything. <laughs> you may return to the dock. All right. Thank you. <laughs> it's very You're kind, Your Honor. I'm genuinely annoyed. <laughs> I'm genuinely annoyed. <laughs> This sucks. <laughs> Why can't I have the A minus for Paul? You can't have the A minus for Paul. That was Paul's A minus. <laughs> just, just play the play the theme. Play the th- all right. <laughs> play him out as he exits in shackles, <laughs> muttering the entire time. <laughs> Transportation, I think. Oh dear. Transportation. <laughs> <laughs> He's the judge. He's the judge. Judging all of the things we does. He's the judge, 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 judge. His name's Paul Dursley. All right. So uh, thank you very much, Paul, for your verdict. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Ryan. I thought it was an excellent episode. It was a real challenge and you managed to do something quite interesting and remarkable with it. Well, thank you. Yeah, history will judge you kindly. I hope so. Okay, so that's the show for this week. Yep, thanks for listening. Uh, If you'd like to get in touch about anything we've talked about on the show or just say hello, you can reach out to us on social media through our website, hhepodcast.com or email at peteandryan at hhepodcast.com. Yeah, we do love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show such as QX I think is how I'm choosing to pronounce it yeah. uh, he is a chap from or she is a person from our Mauritania who said I really like your episode good luck which implies that absolutely everything was extremely accurate and there were no flaws in the show whatsoever mm. another way to feature on the show is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts recommendations like that really help us get out to other people uh, and bring the show to new listeners yep if you're on TikTok Instagram Facebook Twitter you can find us at HHE Podcast and you can subscribe to those you're going to get an alert every time we post a little social thing uh, including our little animated bites yeah they're quite fun they're well worth a minute of your time right but we will be back again next episode but in the meantime if you can't get enough you can check out the back catalogue which you can find in your podcast app at youtube or on the website hhepodcast.com uh, so a huge thank you as ever to the judge thank you paul my pleasure and thank you ryan for our excellent episoding my pleasure uh, and i guess all that's left to say is you've been listening to history happened everywhere the verdict There are many different Nook Von Old products out there, <laughs> yes. so I'm just going to run some of them past you. All right. These are from around the world. Uh, what about a sausage and egg twisty pasta breakfast? It's a soup with noodles and vegetables no. topped with a sausage patty and hard-boiled Why eggs. would you have sausage, egg and pasta? <laughs> Apricot sundae. Oh, that sounds sounds good, right? Yeah. Topped with chicken nuggets. But now, hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can get that if you go to Turkey. You've made that up. I haven't made that up. That's a thing. Uh, what about the chicken McDo with McSpaghetti? Fried chicken and spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> I'd suggest chicken McDonald in that instance. All right. It's not just Nook Vonald's. There is also Kufka. 
Kafka restaurant. Yeah, uh, they have. Uh, they're famous for their fried chicken. So you mean what? Virginia boiled turkey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, they had a thing called the double down dog, which I think you'll quite like. It's a hot dog, but with fried chicken as the bun. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you fancy that? I'm never a great lover of multiple meats in one meal. So then if you were to go to Nergathing, <laughs> they in New Zealand, they had one called the Meatitarian Burger, and it had two beef patties, a chicken patty, six bacon strips, two slices of cheese, barbecue sauce and onions. That does not sound good. It's a lot of meat. It's too much. Yeah. Funkin' faux nuts. <laughs> they have the dry pork and seaweed donut. Donut? Yeah, a donut. Oh, yeah. I was Funkin I started out is, feeling pretty good about that, and then you hit the word donut and it all fell apart. Yeah, it's just like, you know, drizzled on top of, of the phone nut. They can't even spell donut correctly, <laughs> let alone cook it. It's true. <laughs> well, it's a light on fact episode, really, wasn't it? 